Okay, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast with me, David Lovell, and I'm delighted to say joining me is someone who I have spoken to before. Uh, It was under very sad circumstances. I had him on last week uh, together with Paul Fontaine. Uh, We were remembering Brodie Lee, but um, Parker Klein joins me. Parker, how's it going? It's going great, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to have you on. Um, so just to give some people some context as to who you are, obviously you write for both the Fight Game website and also for F4WOnline slash WrestlingObserver.com. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. I do uh, AEW coverage for both of those websites, yeah. So how did that, how'd that sort of come about? How did you get involved with that? Well, I... Subscribed to I've subscribed to the Observer for a few years now, and um, there was just a post. You know, I would do anytime there was a house show or something in my area. I live in Iowa in, in the United States, and anytime there was a house show in the area, I'd send the report to Dave. Um, and there was a posting for writers they, that the site needed writers at 4W Online, so I sent a writing sample and. Months and months after I sent it, um, my my sort of supervisor now uh, sent me a message and was like, "Hey, you know, do you want to tr- try this out for a little bit?" And so I said, "Sure." I covered the uh, AEW. If you remember the women's tag team tournament, that was my start. <laughs> uh, not the not the best wrestling I've ever seen, but it was still fun to do. And then I eventually did Dark for a couple months at AEW Dark, and then uh, starting with AEW Full Gear. I became the lead for live AEW coverage for F4W online. Um, so I've been doing all of, <clears throat> I obviously did full gear, and then I've been doing all the live shows since, including, like you talked about, the Brody Lee tribute show, which was just, in addition to just being obviously extremely sad, I mean, it was pretty much the the best wrestling show I've ever seen. So, um yeah, I've, I'm fully involved in this right now. And then, of course, the bit of a connection with F4W and, and Fight Game Media with Garrett, obviously, dipping his toes into both. Um, and uh, I just sent a message to Garrett. I was, in the, I was in the Facebook group and said, hey, I'd be happy to write for the team. And he seemed to like some of what I have. So now I do a, a breakdown, more of a review, so to speak, of AEW every single week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fully invested in the wrestling uh content creation community at this point and I, it's been great yeah because i normally uh put a thread up uh well every week i put threads up for both dynamite and nxt and i often see you commenting on there saying yeah if come to this if you uh, click on this link you can follow my live coverage for for dynamite and so that's uh we sort of um we worked together on that in some respects with me doing the thread and then uh, obviously you doing the coverage for the for the site as well but um so that obviously will come on to we'll come on to the question about what you watch so um a little bit later on but the the first question i ask everybody on this show is what is your earliest memory of wrestling so do you remember the first time you would have come across wrestling Yes, it's funny. I, I know exactly what show it was. I don't know the day, although it would be easily accessible. It was um, a SmackDown show, WWE SmackDown show, in, I want to say, June of 2009. Um, I would have been 13 years old at the time. I didn't really know exposure to wrestling before that. 
but the for whatever reason, I was just flipping through, and it was on, and I watched it, and I, I remember it specifically because there was a CM Punk and Umaga match um, that I watched on the show. I think I did end up watching pretty much the whole show, but that's what sticks out to me in my mind. I immediately, at 13, was like, this CM Punk, I want to be a fan of, and I like him, and I want to follow him. And I think at the pay-per-view, I think it was maybe the go-home show for the pay-per-view, and he, they, and he and Umaga had a rematch and a strap match or something that everybody said was terrible. And, <laughs> and so, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of my start, and then I started watching it weekly and following it super closely, mostly just WWE, though I had pretty much no exposure except a little bit of maybe TNA at the time. Um, but until really the last few years, it was all WWE that I, I knew about and, and followed closely. So CM Punk was in many ways the sort of first wrestler to grab your attention, so to speak. So who who were some of the other guys that you sort of gravitated towards uh, when you first started watching wrestling? Yeah, Punk was always my favorite up until the day he left where I think I, I would have been my senior year of high school um, was when was when he left WWE. So he was always my favorite, who I loved. It was funny because I I love him now, uh, but I hated him at the time. Uh, John John Cena. I knew exactly who you were going to say before you said it there with that introduction. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so yeah, I was so tired of him and bored of him, and he was just the same every time. And now I look back, and he was awesome for what he did. Um, so I find that to be super. Uh, specific. I always loved um, Kofi Kingston, so I was obviously extremely happy when he ended up getting the title run a couple years ago, um, or just yeah, just yeah, a couple years ago. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I was really just more of a fan of the wrestling itself and the product. It's it kind of mirrors what I like now in the sense that I really just wanted to watch good matches and. I didn't care so much about the storylines or anything like that, although some were obviously better than others. I would just get, you know, a sense of who I thought was super talented in the ring and would put together good matches and would do that week in and week out. John Morrison would be an example of that. He was great at that time. Rey Mysterio was super consistent at that time as well. Chris Jericho would be an example. Um, around that era. So just anybody from that time who, who would have been a consistent in-ring performer week in and week out, I, I, those are the type of people I would genuinely gravitate towards. And what was the first live event that you would have attended? So I never went to a live event until after I had pretty much stopped becoming a fan. Um, the... In Iowa, Iowa is kind of a rural area in the United States, and so the WWE only comes maybe once a year to Iowa, and none of my family or friends were really interested in wrestling or anything like that, and WWE is like the only wrestling that comes to Iowa. So it wasn't until I actually had an internship with a radio station where we worked a remote radio appearance outside of a uh, SmackDown live event, like a house show, and I was able to stick around for the show afterwards and 
uh, yeah, it ended up being my first live experience. That was really, I think it was only like 2016, really in the last three or four, yeah, four years, I, I guess. So um, not until after I was an adult was I able to actually view some live wrestling. And, you know, what are your sort of viewing habits now? What sort of wrestling do you, you watch from a week-to-week basis? So obviously Dynamite would have to be one of them because you cover it. But uh, what other shows do you, you tend to watch? Do you, do you watch any WWE at all? Do you ever watch Raw or SmackDown? So now I watch way, way more wrestling than I ever did growing up. Uh, however... I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in years, probably. I think I watched the Smack I, uh, the SmackDown premiere on Fox. I watched that show, so that would have been November 2019. Uh, I think that may have been the last Raw or SmackDown. I, that's not well. I did go to a live uh, Raw taping um, in December of 2019, so I guess that would have been the last one <laughs> in Des Moines, but. Um, I do watch NXT every week. I always watch that on delay after Dynamite. And I watch all the WWE pay-per-views as well. So I still do stick around for the pay-per-views because that's usually, as a, as, as a person who likes the matches, that's where I generally get the really good matches. That um, seems to be the general um, the, the general thing that, got pe- that people seem to do is they tend to watch the pay-per-views. I mean, for me, here, here in the UK, we, we don't get, I mean, we do get Raw and SmackDown, but I don't have the channel it's on. I don't subscribe to that channel, so I don't really have the option to watch it anyway. I, I probably wouldn't if I could watch it anyway. But um, <laughs> So I, I watch the pay-per-views because I'm a network subscriber, so I, I do watch the pay-per-views. And, and, and as you quite rightly say, I mean, they always, for the most part, they deliver because the storylines going in may not be great, but the in-ring work is always going to be very, very good. And uh, most WWE shows are... You know, at, at, at the worst, they're at least like a 6 out of 10 most of the time, aren't they? they they're, they're pretty good shows for the most part. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I just, you know, I'm, you're like me. We both listen to Observer Radio after, you know, Raw every Tuesday. Yes, and yeah. We, and we <laughs> listen to how horrible the show is. And really, I get more entertainment from that than I ever would from actually watching the show. Um, but as far as the pay-per-views, I... I'll often criticize things because sometimes, you know, the booking is questionable, that type of stuff. And, you know, people will find me on Twitter and they'll be like, well, well why do you even watch? You know, if you don't like it, then, like, why are, you, why are you watching the show? And my response is always, well, WWE has an incredible roster of talent. Some of my favorite wrestlers in the world uh, work for WWE right now. I think about people like Ricochet mm-hmm. and AJ Styles and Walter. Who all all of whom I find I count them on my very favorites in the world. Like they all work for WWE, so I want to watch them and I want to see them succeed because I know they're such incredible talents. Um, and even if I don't think they reach their full potential a lot of the time, you're absolutely right. Like you get that amount of talent in the ring on a pay per view. Like you get something like Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles at the last pay per view, or Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. I mean, those are four fantastic wrestlers right there. And it's pretty much impossible to to imagine any combination of those guys having a bad match with each other. I think I was listening to Observer Radio last week, and uh, they were talking about AJ Styles having a match with Elias that wasn't very good. And I thought, well, if, if Elias can't have a good match with AJ Styles, then <laughs> I am 
are not very hopeful for his future but i i don't know uh but um yeah i think the only one in the uh i mean there's, there's a few that watch raw to be fair but the one guy who always watches it it from the yeah. uh, fight game podcast facebook group is is, is daniel um uh, Daniel Luku, he's the only guy that watches it and does does a Fred every week, bless him. But uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, so you watch um, Dynamite. A- any other? I mean, do you follow any New Japan? Have you been been watching the? Um, uh, have you seen any of uh, Wrestle Kingdom at all? Yeah, uh, I watched. I stayed up live to watch Wrestle Kingdom. So if you, um, if anybody listening were to find me on Twitter at, at Parker J Klein. Um, the, uh, I, my pinned tweet is a link to my spreadsheet of all the, I, I rate every major match that I watch. So I have all like the WWE pay-per-views in there and stuff, AEW pay-per-views, but I really try to watch every single major show, I mean, across the world, really, um, whether it's New Japan or, you know, all the Japanese promotions, so all Japan, NOAA. Uh, moving into Joshi territory, like with Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro, um, when when CMLL and AAA are running shows, which they're unfortunately not right now, I always catch their big shows. Definitely over in your neck of the woods, I I've seen every Progress show, um, and I follow WXW in Germany as well. So I really do try to watch everything that I can because. Um, I love having a comprehensive understanding. Well, I love in-ring work, of course, and those are the places where I find the best wrestling. And I also do love having a comprehensive understanding of the wrestling scene around the world because there's so many different styles that, I mean, it, it, there's so much variety within this specific sort of medium of wrestling. But, yeah, now more than ever, I watch I watch so much wrestling. I mean, what are we? We're January 4th right now, right? And I've... I've rated 42 matches <laughs> in my in my rating spreadsheet so far. So that's uh that's I guess an example of how much uh, how much wrestling I watch. We are very lucky to you know be in this era because if I look back at the uh, the 70s and the 80s when there literally was only one outlet for you if you if you were a wrestling fan there was only really one show you could watch and uh there were guys that would like live in new york who would only get wbf and they would only know about rick flair from following the aptomags and that kind of thing so we we're very lucky to have so much wrestling at our disposal i mean you can watch anything you want to watch from all over the world uh especially if you've got the the, the fight app i mean there's so much wrestling on there it's unbelievable isn't it yeah I, I, it's funny you mentioned that i the day that Triple uh, A, the Mexican promotion, the Lucha Libre promotion, had their big Triple Mania show, that was the same day that New Japan had the Super J Cup, um, which ran in the United States, but from a Japanese promotion. And then there was also Impact's big pay- big final resolution pay-per-view that same day, so American. So, I mean, we're getting wrestling from three different major like cultural centers on the same day and I watched them on the same day and it you know for the Super J Cup I was watched even if it's New Japan Strong which takes place in the United States I still watch with the Japanese commentary so I had both Mex- I had Mexican and Japanese and English commentary going on all on the same day um, so I mean yeah I mean seriously 
I don't think I would be near as much of a wrestling fan as I am today if we didn't have that ease of access. Because to me, a WWE, a WWE pay-per-view every month isn't enough because the TV isn't engaging enough for me. Because like I said, I really do prioritize the in-ring action uh, when, I'm, when I'm really getting into my wrestling. I call the next sort of section rapid fire questions. They're not really that rapid fire, to be honest with you. But um, the, the the first question is favorite wrestler of all time. So would that be CM Punk or would it be somebody else? Punk is the first wrestler that comes to mind when um, I think of favorite wrestler of all time for sure. There are <laughs> this is such a cop out answer, but there are four uh, other wrestlers that come to mind when I think of that too. Um, and I have to caveat this by saying I'm not a historical completionist by any means. I know everything there is to know about the modern scene and everybody who's currently wrestling. Anything before my time, I know very, very little about. But, so, with those four, they're all New Japan guys. So, uh, Kazuchika Okada, who I think has had more, I've watched more great matches that have been more different with, you know, different styles of, of wrestlers, and I just know when he's in a main event spot he's going to give me something fantastic when his match with will osprey just yesterday slash this morning was unlike anything he'd ever done and it was fantastic i was was just going to ask you actually how how do you think that match compares to the the previous matches because it was a completely different dynamic this time around with obviously will being the heel um what what did you make of that match how do you think it compares to the other ones they've had so I thought, I made, actually made, it's funny you mentioned that, I made this point on Twitter. I think that was their best match they've ever had together. I think it may have been, yeah. Yeah, they had two uh, big ones sort of while Will was a junior. Well, they, yeah, yeah, two while Will was a junior. One was in Rev Pro, and then one was in uh, at an anniversary show, I think, in 2018. They also had the match at the New Japan Cup um, in 2019, which was really just a tease for what they could do. I mean, I didn't think they scratched their surface of their potential there. Then they also had the G1 match uh, 2019, which got the you know five and three quarter star rating from from Dave. And I didn't go. I obviously didn't go quite that high on it. I thought it was a fantastic match um, and one of the best of the tournament. But I did end up thinking this one was better. I just thought it was super heated and well worked and so much innovative stuff going on, just ridiculously competent athletic performances from both men. And um, honestly, one of my favorite matches I've seen since the pandemic, maybe uh, I I rated a couple matches, five stars. I gave this one four and three quarters. So it's probably in the top five of matches I've seen since the pandemic started. And then, um, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I have to ask you now what the other two matches were. (laughs) <laughs> the two, they were for Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, both title defenses from Go Shiyazaki, who will get some buzz for not necessarily Wrestler of the Year, but he will probably finish in the top five in the Observer Awards for um, Outstanding Wrestler, which is sort of just based on in, in-ring work. Uh, he had a title defense uh, against Kino, which was a unification match between he his uh, world, heavy, world Heavyweight title and the national title, which is kind of like the Intercontinental title in New Japan. Um, they went to a 60-minute draw, and it was just unbelievable. I, I can't really describe it in, in words, 
that type of match. But then there was also his defense against Katsuhiko Nakajima, who had just won Noah's equivalent of the G1 Climax. So that was like a big Wrestle Kingdom-esque match for Noah. And that was also completely fantastic, which is some incredible. And it went like 40-some minutes with just insanely brutal chops and kicks. And Shizaki's like falling apart. So um, he's been, in, for my eyes, the best wrestler in the world since the pandemic started. And so Okada was one of the four. Who were the other three then? Yeah. <laughs> so leading in, so leading in um, Will Ospreay would also be along, along those lines. I don't think I've ever seen a purely better wrestler than Will Ospreay. Uh, just the things he can do in the ring. His athleticism is truly one of a kind. Um, he has incredible timing for when to, when to sort of turn it up and when to slow it down. Um, he's added so much stuff. Like he wrestles almost nothing like he did two or three years ago, and yet he's just as good, if not better, as he was. Um, his 2019 was the best in-ring year I've ever seen from a wrestler, uh, and he's just fantastic between the between the ropes. And I always bank on him having a fantastic match, whether it's against Okada on the biggest stage of them all, or in some like Australian indie where he's just there for the fun of it and he still like doesn't know how to not put on like a four and a half star match so um he's fantastic my other two would be hiroshi tanahashi who i think is a genius and who i everything that dave says on observer radio where he just kind of falls all over himself to praise tanahashi it's 100 percent justified he's truly the the greatest um just in terms of what he can do in the ring as, as a pure baby face performer who you just can't help but get behind Tanahashi's the best at all, of all time. And then my fourth is sort of really, if you're looking at favorite wrestler, this would probably be my answer for the current one. And it is uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, who is the, uh, <laughs> the wrestler who has a lot of <laughs> hip based offense, so to speak. But he really, I, I, I can't stress enough how much of a genius he is in the ring. He is able to do the comedy. He's hilarious at it every time. And I'm not somebody who likes comedy and wrestling that much. But he is hilarious. And yet, he's, he is such a talented wrestler that when he really needs to turn it on, he can turn it on with the best of them. He had a classic match against Hiromu Takahashi just a month ago in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament. He also had a classic against Osprey last year in the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Um, so I think his just understanding of how wrestling works and how, the, how to get the crowd involved and how to use your timing. You don't have to do these crazy athletic high spots. You just have to like work your butt off, so to speak. Uh, Taguchi is, is, I think, a prime example of that. And what's your favorite match of all time? Favorite match of all time is this is the one where I was looking at it and I was like, man, I don't know. I my first my first gut instinct was to say CM Punk versus John Cena, yeah, uh, the five star match, obviously, um, because that was the peak of my pre, uh, you know, pre introduction to to wrestling outside of WWE. 
for me, that was as good as wrestling could possibly get with the, you know, the crazy hot crowd, the completely unique environment where John Cena, who I hated, and CM Punk, who I loved, even though CM Punk was the heel and John Cena was the face, you know, CM Punk is being cheered out of his mind and Cena's being booed out of the building. I, 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 well, it, I was in, was it was in Chicago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, so yeah, homecoming for Punk and, you know, Iowa isn't that far from Chicago. Like, a lot of, we kind of associate with Chicago a little bit, so I kind of took a little hometown pride in him. Um, so, yeah, that that's... That might be that might be it. Other ones that I think of are um, <clears throat> uh, Os- Will Osprey versus Shingo Takagi, which I think is the just the greatest athletic performance I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Um, that was from the Best of the Super Juniors final last year, and then there's there's all these little matches. I tend to gravitate towards matches that I... If there's one style of match that I like, I think, more than just about anybody else, it's like a, a super short, you know, sub-eight-minute sprint that's perfectly laid out and, you know, exhilarating from start to finish. And there are a couple examples of that. I think of, um, to get super obscure, I think of something like Mark... <laughs> this is, like, so beyond it, but it's for progress in the U.K., uh, Mark Davis versus Maverick Mayhew was like a six-minute match of two like relative newcomers to the scene, and Mark Davis is this is this like six-six monster, and Maverick Mayhew is this uh, he's I think he was only like 19 at the time, and he is tiny. I mean seriously, he maybe weighs 130 pounds, and yet somehow they managed to wrestle like if you remember actually if you remember I think it was you know, the late Brody Lee against Marco Stunt from Dynamite when he started. It's very similar to that, where the big guy's just killing the little guy, but the little guy would get these little hope spots, and it would be, you know, super exciting. And so I really do gravitate towards those styles of matches. I think the best example of that is, again, I keep coming back to this best of the Super Juniors from 2019, but Will Ospreay again against the young lion, Ren Narita, was I think it only went like six minutes and you knew Osprey wasn't gonna lose to Ren Narita, but they gave Narita the hope spots and it was really just a perfectly laid out match for those seven minutes and I was smiling the whole time and you know, to give a seven minute match where you knew the result would never be in doubt, like four and a half stars, I think is pretty indicative of, of the talent involved there. So yeah, that's that's a bit my style. I know that's a, I'm giving you these wide. This is definitely not a rapid fire question. Well, I, I did say that they're, they're not normally really rapid fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, best show you've ever attended live. So, the thing about going, you know, living in Iowa is that I haven't really, and obviously, I'm still relatively young and not having a ton of friends who are super into wrestling, I haven't really had the chance to go see that much live wrestling. Um, you know, I'm still in my early 20s, so I'm, you know, I'm still in school, don't have a ton of money to go like travel places to try that out. Um, so I, I just haven't really been able to do that that much. However, um, we do have a local indie called The Wrestling Revolver, which 
is promoted by um, Sammy Callahan of Impact fame. And he really does do a good job uh, with these shows. A lot of Impact signed talent will wrestle on the shows. So I actually saw um, Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard uh, before they had that big match where, where Tessa won the world championship. So that was very cool. Um, but my favorite match that I have ever seen live came from a Wrestling Revolver show. And it was between uh, Rich Swan and Lance Cade, who are, uh, they do wrestle on the indies as a tag team, even though Swan is now the world champion of Impact. Um, they do occasionally wrestle on the indies as a tag team. And then the other team was um, a complete no-name team. Uh, this guy named Tyler Matrix and Logan James, which is like the two most jobber names you could ever think of. Uh, and they went out there in front of this crowd of a hundred, these four guys, and they had a tag team match that it was during New Japan's World Tag League. And I thought that match was better than anything I saw in the entire Japan World Tag League. They Just a ton of crazy high spots and... Um, working their asses off and they, they did it they worked for like 20 minutes it was a long match but you know they were exhausted by the end but they got a standing ovation they really tore the house down so um that would probably be my favorite uh, memory from a live show um the final question i ask everyone and, and it's the hardest one because it's kind of a little bit vague in a way because the question is if you could change one thing about the business what would it be and, and some people don't really know how to go about answering that um, um, so how would you go about answering that question yeah that's an interesting one because you, yeah you're absolutely right you could go about it like multiple different ways part of me wants to say like you know <laughs> install somebody competent in wwe because because it would it would be better you know it would just be better like not only would it be better and more entertaining and all that type of stuff, but it would be better for the business and it would be better for the wrestlers involved and it'd be good for competition and all that type of stuff. And um, so that, that kind of comes to mind. Uh, the, the other thing that comes to mind is I think there needs to be, and I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. I would love wrestling culture like the fan you know sort of the fandom of people to i would love it to be and this is going to sound like self-indulgent I, I wish every interaction was like the fight the fight game media facebook facebook group right i've said i've said um, that before myself on the on this yeah. show I, I i haven't been a part of many like groups or I haven't been involved with like many message boards and things like that, but the ones I have been involved with in the past, there's always bickering and fighting and, and people have an opinion and, and someone disagrees with it and there's there's fallings out and you get none of that with the with the fight game podcast Facebook group. I mean, we, we disagree from time to time, but we do it like adults, you know, we don't, uh, you know, if someone has a differing opinion, you don't uh, take them to task for it. You just accept it. They say, like, oh, well, that's, you're entitled to your opinion and I'm entitled to mine. And uh, we all get on, you know, really, really well. And it's a really great group. And I haven't really come across a group that's um, quite like that before, really. 
Yeah, and, and yeah, you you phrased it perfectly. Just, I mean, we had the whole like, you know, there was the the Bruce Mitchell controversy just in the last week, right? About about in the wake of Bruce's yeah. passing, yeah. and there was a super long thread about it in the group that you know everybody stayed super respectful. There were a ton of different angles people were coming at it from, but everybody took each other seriously. Nobody dismissed anybody else. Everybody was like, okay. I can see where you're coming from, but I think about it this way. And, you know, as somebody who is relatively new to wrestling media, you know, I've followed wrestling for a long time, been a fan for a long time, but I only, like, this Twitter account that I have, which I can't believe I have over 400 followers on already, I uh, started it in August. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so I'm, I'm new, and what I've started to do, like when you get a when you get some some semblance of a platform, especially as a writer, like if somebody has something to to say to me, I can take a constructive criticism. In fact, I welcome it. But if there's like any sort of mean spirited nature towards it, I, I just block them immediately because I and I think that's what Brian Alvarez does too, um, because I, I really have no patience for it. Like. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter to talk about wrestling because I enjoy wrestling and because it's a big hobby of mine. And I really don't want to spend my time like getting into arguments about these this thing that's like really not that important. And I'd rather just kind of enjoy my time, like I do in the Facebook group and like I do with you guys. Like the the G1 contest between us. I think like you and I were like two. Of the, did you end up winning it, David, or was that somebody else? No, I think um, it was. I'm trying to remember who did win that now, but I was, I was in the lead for virtually all of it, and I kind of fell away towards the end because I had, I think I had evil, and I'm trying to. Oh, I can't think who I had now as the uh, as the winners, but I think it was evil and somebody else. I can't remember. Why can't I remember who I had? But anyway, I, I don't know. Maybe because it's nearly one a.m. here, I, my memory's uh, not not uh, <laughs> not serving me very well here. But um, yeah, I was in the lead virtually the whole way through. But um, because I had the uh, the wrong sort of winners for the brackets, uh, I did kind of fall away towards the end. I can't remember because it all came down to who had the the bet the best time yeah, for the so, for the finals. So much, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I bring it up because like that was so much like that was only positive things like everybody had their picks and everybody was going into it and having fun and looking at who everybody else had and all that it was just like a super good time and and we do the live threads and you know it's like you said we're not afraid to disagree with each other or anything like that but we treat each other like adults and give each other the respect we deserve i think part of it comes from the fact that everybody in the facebook group uses their real name because it's on facebook (laughs) and unfortunately on twitter you can have your name as anything you don't have to put yourself out there and so anybody can kind of say anything they want without consequence so you know that definitely helps but if 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 i could create an environment where if we just took any sort of like malice or mean-spiritedness or anything along those lines out of anything related to wrestling uh it would be it'd be so much better in my eyes. But I love the wrestling that we have right now. I love the the access that I have right now, um, and I I can't wait for this pandemic to end. Obviously, for a number of reasons, but one of those reasons is to get 
to get some live wrestling back and to get some fans in the building for for everybody's sake. But yeah, yeah. I think now I come to think of it, I think I, I think I had Evil and Okada, and I had Okada winning the whole yeah. thing, if I remember rightly. Now, and I think I want to say Brady won in the end, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. It was either Brady or it may have been Jeremy Finestone, but I can't remember which one which one won now but uh, yeah that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed um because obviously chris samsa had the uh had all the results and everything and he would he would do the daily um results of who who would how many points we all had and i would then put them into order so everyone you know knew where where, where they stood sort of thing and uh yeah that was a lot of fun i hope we do that again next year but um yeah i'm looking forward to having fans back especially with aw because i'm really intrigued to see how guys like john silver for example who apparently is so over with the people there at daily's place but he doesn't really come across that well on tv when you watch the show so i can't wait to see what john silver's reactions are with a live crowd you know how they respond to him yeah i i completely agree it's uh, I, just a couple of weeks ago i watched some of the pre-pandemic dynamites from this year and they had a stretch in february with like where like three out of the four shows were like all-time great <clears throat> wrestling television shows where the matches were i mean they had the the young bucks versus um the lucha bros was in there and there was the the crazy show with Cobb and Moxley and Cody and Wardlow, and then there was also a tag title match, and they had the crews, and everything was so hot. You know, the fans just bought into everything the wrestlers did, and it's, it just hasn't been the same. Even at Wrestle Kingdom, it's like, you know, the fans are try they're trying their hardest to get into it, and they're stamping their feet and they're clapping, and, yeah. and they, they actually did gasp for that Okada Rainmaker at the end, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I, I'm completely with you. I'm I'm really ready for fans to come back. Yeah, hopefully it won't be too won't be too long before we we start to see that. Obviously, um, here in the UK right now, we're heading into another sort of national lockdown. Um, but uh, we obviously we've got the um, the vaccinations out there now, and we we'll, we'll see how successful they are and. Uh, I think the end, dare I say, the end of this may be in sight, you know, but uh, who knows? I mean, a lot of it, I think, has to do with how we respond uh, and how we act. You know, I think wearing a mask, obviously, is first and foremost the most important thing and social distancing. Um, and as long as we do those two main things, then we should be okay. But the trouble is, you've got to rely on everybody else to do the same thing and that's that's where we're coming uh things are going wrong because there's so many people out there that are still so dismissive of this whole thing uh but anyway that's a, that's a whole nother topic for another day but uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh i don't know how you feel about it but i i just see so many people out there right now that still we're so many months into this thing now and they're still so dismissive of it and say well it's a hoax you know it's it, it's not it's just like the flu it's like it's not just like the flu but anyway that like i say that we don't have to get into that but um uh i want to thank you a lot parker for uh for coming on and i've really enjoyed this conversation as i keep saying to every guest on this show um obviously this show is a little bit restrictive as to what we can talk about because i have the the sort of set questions there but um i do plan on doing more shows hopefully not under circumstances like 
the death of Brody Lee. But when we see like a big news story or there's a big event happening, I love to get someone like you or one of my previous guests on to talk about it. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do more of these in the future. Yeah, I'm always happy to join the show. I've I've had a ton of fun these, doing these couple of shows, and I, I have to say that if you know if anybody's listening and they haven't checked out the Brody Lee show that we did with Paul, um, that was that was very. I think we did it. We did him justice, and I think it was also. I mean, I can't speak for you or Paul, but it was very therapeutic for me to just sort of yeah. take some time to reminisce because I, I mentioned this, but I'm I'm really the only person. In my in my you know physical circle, out of like friends and family who knows anything about wrestling, and so I didn't really have any sort of uh, support group to lean on when this major com- component, this major uh, figure in what I cover every single week for multiple different publications, was just gone all of a sudden, and so it was it really did mean a lot to me to to join the show and to be able to talk about the life and, and career of John Huber, Brody Lee. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to join your show, David, and uh, I can't wait to see what you do with it in the future. Yeah, that, that show was, was very, I think therapeutic is a good word. It was very therapeutic. And, and I actually did a show last night as well, Aaron Stone, uh, who's a, you know, a, a great guest to have on, um, really knowledgeable guy. Um, he was um, sharing his memories of Brody as well, and of course we got a chance to talk about the the uh, the tribute show, the the celebration of life that Dynamite uh, put on last week. And, and we didn't really obviously talk about that on our show because um, it was only just announced on that. I think it was Monday of last week we did the show. So just quickly before we completely wrap up here, um, you you touched on it earlier a little bit, but what were your overall thoughts on that on that show? Because I thought it was as perfect a tribute as you're as you're probably going to find i agree completely I, I genuinely i think i said this you know i did um i was doing my weekly dynamite breakdown for the fight game um for the fight game website and i think i pretty much said exactly what you said i said i genuinely couldn't conceive of a better way to honor the life and career of Brody lee and i think Maybe I mean obviously the wrestling was great, um, best performance of Anna Jay and Ty Conti I've ever seen. Every other match was I, I rated extremely highly as well. Incredible promos from Moxley and Kingston and Jericho and even Bryce Remsburg who got very emotional. And I was very I was very you know appreciative of Remsburg for you know putting himself out there like that because he could have been like no 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 I don't really want that to be to be on dynamite but but he did but really what I wanted the takeaway to be and I hope I hope people started to kind of realize this was that the show it was the Brody Lee tribute show but who it really was for was for Brody Lee's family and specifically his son you know lovingly called Brody Lee Jr negative 1 right <laughs> and just the, everything, he was all over the show. I mean, cracking MJF with the kendo <laughs> stick and, yeah. and aggressively, you know, doing the aggressive, you know, Brody Lee finger point at the acclaimed after they, you know, tried to ruin the party. And the, the most touching moment for me, aside, aside from maybe Eric Rowan coming out and, and seeing that big guy cry was just, it was just an incredible visual because uh, he was sobbing. I mean, he was so sad. 
just a real everyone was though I mean everyone in that ring him and and Silver and Reynolds and Adam Page they were all you know just in in floods of tears and they were all sort of consoling each other and uh, yeah it was just um, yeah from start to finish I mean I, I, I shed many many tears watching that show yeah, and I was covering it live, and I and I did too. I mean, I never, I genuinely never would have guessed that would happen <laughs> covering Dynamite, but um, the very closing segment with Cody out there first, and then uh, Brody Lee's wife and son, and then Preston Vance all came out as well, and then Tony Khan uh, closed it out, and. I think the genius of that segment was Cody Rhodes was Brody Lee Jr.'s favorite wrestler. It is Cody, you know, Brody Lee Jr.'s favorite wrestler. <clears throat> and so when he's out there, <clears throat> pardon me, he played the melodramatic pro wrestling character that is Cody. He wasn't being genuine real life Cody Runnels. Right, and that that was good, because that's who Brody Lee Jr. knows. He knows Cody Rhodes, the TV character. Right, and I think yeah. the, the genius part of that segment was that it was juxtaposed against Tony Khan, who's out there, who we know stressed and agonized over this show, and was in his own form of grief, and Tony, he came out. You know, he did this beautiful gesture with the belt. But he also sounded like he didn't know what to say to this kid. Because what do you say to this kid and this family who, who've lost someone so beloved in such a big part of their lives? And I think that was beautiful because it was real. And in wrestling, Cody Rhodes, the wrestler, would never, ever not know what to say next. But Tony Khan, the real person could absolutely not know what to say because I really don't think he did know what to say to this kid. And so he just, you know, created the best gesture possible. And that juxtaposition of the two, I think, was beautiful and showed how the gap between the art and the drama of pro wrestling can come together with reality of this real-life situation, of this, of this, you know, beautiful and beloved man passing away. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm completely down with the idea. I know that was a bit of a screed, but I think the I, it was perfect. And that's that's really all I need to say. Yeah, I love how you know, any sort of company rivalry between AEW and WWE sort of goes out the window because at the end of the day, everyone is, is friends with each other. You, you saw Adam Cole um, getting um, <laughs> pinned by uh, Brody Jr. Did you see that video that was on that surfaced online? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's all yeah, there's tons of videos of him. There's the, the the other one that I remember. Well, I mean, there's tons, but the other one that stands out was he and Preston Vance were like playing uh, the the wrestling video game on the couch, and then they cut to you know five minutes later, and the kids got him in a Boston crab in real life, <laughs> not in the video game. So, uh, just just what they've done for that family and. It's it's all you could ever expect, um, and so I, they they really did just knock it out of the park. And Tony Khan, you know, buying the rights to the the Tom Waits song. Oh my gosh! They used that video, which is such a perfect song and such a perfect video. You know, able to use 
photos of him with Bray Wyatt and 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 uh, you know guys from WWE as well, which I thought was a really nice a really nice touch. And um, yeah, I mean there was a little bit of criticism of WWE and how they handled it, but I thought they did an adequate job. You know, cause at the end of the day. You know, he was an AEW wrestler, so I don't I don't think they needed to do a ten bell salute on Raw because they did that on Dynamite. So there was no need to do it on Raw as well. I think having the graphic, having the video package, and I think there's a whole like a whole section on the network, isn't there, for Luke Harper? So I think what they've done is is fine. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there too because the last thing you want is for it to be like a you know a competition to put on the best possible tribute i think what what wwe did was completely appropriate and did you know it was exactly and i think part of them realized like they, they probably realized that no, nobody was going to expect the Brody Lee tribute show from wwe like they were gonna it was gonna happen on dynamite and it was going to be uh, you know an AEW focused thing because that's where Brody lee was and that you know the hashtag wasn't r.i.p luke harper it was R.I.P. Brody Lee, and that's how we refer to him as Brody. You know, he's John Huber, but people, you know, when in obituaries and stuff like that, people were calling him Brody Lee, and so um, I'm completely with you. I, I really didn't have much of an issue with uh, with anything WWE did there. I think Aaron Aaron Stone made a good point last night by saying that whatever they did was probably going to get criticised anyway. If they if they had gone too far the other way and done yes. too much, they would have got criticised. So they were kind of down if they do down if they don't kind of thing uh, with what they did but um anyway we are sort of uh, rambling on now a little bit about all this so um, <laughs> i think uh, we should uh, we should wrap it up but um i mean we we could talk we could talk all night couldn't we i mean we'd uh, yeah, yeah. We, we really could so i i'd love to have you uh, back on uh parker at some point in the future like i say uh, but thank you for coming on today and um yeah we'll talk to you talk to you again soon i'm sure sounds great thank you david